section three of the crime of sylvestre bonheur by anatole france this librivox recording is in the public domain may seventh eighteen fifty one i have passed the winter according to the ideal of the sages in angelo cum libello and now the swallows of the key malaque find me on their return about as when they left me he who lives little changes little and it is scarcely living at all to use up one's days over old texts yet i feel myself to-day a little more deeply impregnated than ever before with that vague melancholy which life distils the economy of my intelligence i dare scarcely confess it to myself has remained disturbed ever since that momentous hour in which the existence of the manuscript of the clerk alexander was first revealed to me it is strange that i should have lost my rest simply on account of a few old sheets of parchment but it is unquestionably true the poor man who has no desires possesses the greatest of riches he possesses himself the rich man who desires something is only a wretched slave i am just such a slave the sweetest pleasures those of converse with some one of a delicate and well-balanced mind or dining out with a friend are insufficient to enable me to forget the manuscript which i know that i want and have been wanting from the moment i knew of its existence i feel the want of it by day and by night i feel the want of it in all my joys and pains i feel the want of it while at work or asleep i recall my desires as a child how well i can now comprehend the intense wishes of my early years i can see once more with astonishing vividness a certain doll which when i was eight years old used to be displayed in the window of an ugly little shop of the rue de saint i cannot tell how it happened that this doll attracted me i was very proud of being a boy i despised little girls and i longed impatiently for the day which alas has come when a strong beard should bristle on my chin i played at being a soldier and under the pretext of obtaining forage for my rocking-horse i used to make sad havoc among the plants my poor mother delighted to keep on her window-sill manly amusements those i should say and nevertheless i was consumed with longing for a doll characters like hercules have such weaknesses occasionally was the one i had fallen in love with at all beautiful no i can see her now she had a splotch of vermilion on either cheek short soft arms horrible wooden hands and long sprawling legs her flowered petticoat was fastened at the waist with two pins even now i can see the black heads of those two pins it was a decidedly vulgar doll smelt of the faubourg i remember perfectly well that child as i was then before i had put on my first pair of trousers i was quite conscious in my own way that this doll lacked grace and style that she was gross that she was coarse but i loved her in spite of that 
i loved her just for that i loved her only i wanted her my soldiers and my drums had become as nothing in my eyes i ceased to stick sprigs of heliotrope and veronica into the mouth of my rocking-horse that doll was all the world to me i invented ruses worthy of a savage to oblige virginie my nurse to take me by the little shop in the rue de saint i would press my nose against the window until my nurse had to take my arm and drag me away monsieur sylvestre it is late and your mamma will scold you monsieur sylvestre in those days made very little of either scoldings or whippings but his nurse lifted him up like a feather and monsieur sylvestre yielded to force in after years with age he degenerated and sometimes yielded to fear but at that time he used to fear nothing i was unhappy an unreasoning but irresistible shame prevented me from telling my mother about the object of my love thence all my sufferings for many days that doll incessantly present in fancy danced before my eyes stared at me fixedly opened her arms to me assuming in my imagination a sort of life which made her appear at once mysterious and weird and thereby all the more charming and desirable finally one day a day i shall never forget my nurse took me to see my uncle captain victor who had invited me to lunch i admired my uncle a great deal as much because he had fired the last french cartridge at waterloo as because he used to prepare with his own hands at my mother's table certain chapons a l'aille crust on which garlic has been rubbed which he afterwards put in the chicory salad i thought that was very fine my uncle victor also inspired me with much respect by his frogged coat and still more by his way of turning the whole house upside down from the moment he came into it even now i cannot tell just how he managed it but i can affirm that whenever my uncle victor found himself in any assembly of twenty persons it was impossible to see or to hear anybody but him my excellent father i have reason to believe never shared my admiration for uncle victor he used to sicken him with his pipe gave him great thumps in the back by way of friendliness and accuse him of lacking energy my mother though always showing a sister's indulgence to the captain sometimes advised him to fold the brandy-bottle a little less frequently but i had no part either in these repugnances or these reproaches and uncle victor inspired me with the purest enthusiasm it was therefore with a feeling of pride that i entered into the little lodging he occupied in the rue Ganagold the entire lunch served on a small table close to the fireplace consisted of cold meats and confectionery the captain stuffed me with cakes and undiluted wine he told me of numberless injustices to which he had been a victim he complained particularly of the bourbons and as he neglected to tell me who the bourbons were i got the idea i can't tell how that the bourbons were horse-dealers established at waterloo the captain who never interrupted his talk except for the purpose of pouring out wine furthermore made charges against a number of dirty scoundrels 
blackguards and good-for-nothings whom i did not know anything about but whom i hated from the bottom of my heart at dessert i thought i heard the captain say my father was a man who could be led anywhere by the nose but i am not quite sure that i understood him i had a buzzing in my ears and it seemed to me that the table was dancing my uncle put on his frogged coat took his bell-shaped hat and we descended to the street which seemed to me singularly changed it looked to me as if i had not been in it before for ever so long a time nevertheless when we came to the rue de seine the idea of my doll suddenly returned to my mind and excited me in an extraordinary way my head was on fire i resolved upon a desperate expedient we were passing before the window she was there behind the glass with her red cheeks and her flowered petticoat and her long legs uncle i said with a great effort will you buy that doll for me and i waited buy a doll for a boy sacre bleu cried my uncle in a voice of thunder do you wish to dishonour yourself and it is that old mag there that you want well i must compliment you my young fellow if you grow up with such tastes as that you will never have any pleasure in life and your comrades will call you a precious ninny if you ask me for a sword or a gun my boy i would buy them for you with the last silver crown of my pension but to buy a doll for you by all that's holy to disgrace you never in the world why if i were ever to see you playing with a puppet rigged out like that monsieur my sister's son i would disown you for my nephew on hearing these words i felt my heart so wrung that nothing but pride a diabolical pride kept me from crying my uncle suddenly calming down returned to his ideas about the bourbons but i still smarting under the weight of his indignation felt an unspeakable shame my resolve was quickly made i promised myself never to disgrace myself i firmly and for ever renounced that red-cheeked doll i felt that day for the first time the austere sweetness of sacrifice captain though it be true that all your life you swore like a pagan smoked like a beetle and drank like a bell-ringer be your memory nevertheless honoured not merely because you were a brave soldier but also because you revealed to your little nephew in petticoats the sentiment of heroism pride and laziness had made you almost insupportable uncle victor but a great heart used to beat under those frogs upon your coat you always used to wear i now remember a rose in your buttonhole that rose which you offered so readily to the shop-girls that large open-hearted flower scattering its petals to all the winds was the symbol of your glorious youth you despised neither wine nor tobacco but you despised life neither delicacy nor common sense could have been learned from you captain but you taught me even at an age when my nurse had to wipe my nose a lesson of honour and self-abrogation that i shall never forget you have now been sleeping for many years in the cemetery of montparnasse under a plain slab bearing the epitaph si gite aristide victor maldon capitaine d'infanterie chevalier de la légion d'honneur but such captain was not the inscription devised by yourself 
to be placed above those old bones of yours knocked about so long on fields of battle and in haunts of pleasure among your papers was found this proud and bitter epitaph which despite your last will none could have ventured to put upon your tomb un brigand de la loire therese we will get a wreath of immortelles to-morrow and lay them on the tomb of the brigand of the loire but therese is not here and how indeed could she be near me seeing that i am at the rond point of the champs-elysees there at the termination of the avenue the arc de triomphe which bears under its vaults the names of uncle victor's companions in arms opens its giant gate against the sky the trees of the avenue are unfolding to the sun of spring their first leaves still all pale and chilly beside me the carriages keep rolling by to the bois de boulogne unconsciously i have wandered into this fashionable avenue on my promenade and halted quite stupidly in front of a booth stocked with gingerbread and decanters of licorice water each topped by a lemon a miserable little boy covered with rags which expose his chapped skin stares with widely opened eyes at those sumptuous sweets which are not for such as he with the shamelessness of innocence he betrays his longing his round fixed eyes contemplate a certain gingerbread man of lofty stature it is a general and it looks a little like uncle victor i take it i pay for it and present it to the little pauper who dares not extend his hand to receive it for by reason of precocious experience he cannot believe in luck he looks at me in the same way that certain big dogs do with the air of one saying you are cruel to make fun of me like that come little stupid i say to him in that rough tone i am accustomed to use take it take it and eat it for you happier than i was at your age you can satisfy your tastes without disgracing yourself and you uncle victor you whose manly figure has been recalled to me by that gingerbread general come glorious shadow help me to forget my new doll we remain forever children and are always running after new toys same day in the oddest way that coco family has become associated in my mind with the clerk alexander therese i said as i threw myself into my easy chair tell me if the little coco is well and whether he has got his first teeth yet and bring me my slippers he ought to have them by this time monsieur replied therese but i never saw them the very first fine day of spring the mother disappeared with the child leaving furniture and clothes and everything behind her they found thirty-eight empty pomade pots in the attic it passes all belief she had visitors latterly and you may be quite sure she is not now in a convent of nuns the niece of the concierge says she saw her driving about in a carriage on the boulevards i always told you she would end badly therese i replied that young woman has not ended either badly or well as yet wait until the term of her life is over before you judge her and be careful not to talk too much with that concierge it seemed to me though i only saw her for a moment on the stairs that madame cocot was very fond of her child for that mother's love at least she deserves credit 
as far as that goes monsieur certainly the little one never wanted for anything in all the quarter one could not have found a child better kept or better nourished or more petted and coddled every day that god makes she puts a clean bib on him and sings to him to make him laugh from morning till night therese a poet has said that child whose mother has never smiled upon him is worthy neither of the table of the gods nor of the couch of the goddesses End of section three.